I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. I am joined again by Kyle, Nathan, and Pauly. Um, we're going to break down last week's career builder and the Abu Dhabi tournament and look ahead to this week's Farmers Insurance at uh, Torrey Pines. Guys, welcome on. Hey, how's it going, Andy? Andy, Paul, good to see you guys again, or speak with you guys again, I should say. You know, I'm, I'm down in the... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, the epicenter of, of club pros this week in Orlando for this PGA show. I'm on a uh, search for my new Air Westies since uh, <laughs> Westwood is no longer with Footjoy. It's left me shoeless. I can't, I can't even wear those old Air Westies anymore. Well, the good thing is you'll have 77,000 different brands of shoes to choose from making your way around the uh, convention center. I think I'm going to make one lap around there. I, I don't know if I can I can handle it. That's like going through Dante's Inferno. <laughs> so uh, did you guys watch uh, golf last weekend? I did. I actually I wound up watching more of the Abu Dhabi event. Um than the PGA Golf, I really a big statement by the European Ryder Cup team this week. No, pretty crazy. Sergio won too in Singapore with, uh, mm-hmm. but then Rahm and Fleetwood. I, I've been saying it for a while. The, the young players in Europe are really good. Um, you know, Peters and Dietrich and Paul Dunn's really good player. Who he was in the final. He was held the fifty four hole lead at the Open Championship as an amateur. And then, you know, they've got still, like, I mean, Rose is playing the best golf of his career the last eight weeks, and uh, Sergio's still around. I mean, Fitzpatrick right there, too. He was, what, a couple off the, couple off the lead. Yeah, and, uh, and Rory, first uh, start back. I mean, I think you got the, the Euros are really strong up on top. It's just a matter of whether the last three or four guys on the Euro team are going to be able to be at the same caliber as some of the U.S. players this year. It's a fun storyline to watch all year, I feel like. It's one of the more um, anticipated Ryder Cups in recent memory, I feel like. It should be a real battle. And I think you're going to have some good players left off of both teams in terms of the captain's picks. There are going to be some very difficult decisions. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of the things Doak said about um, the Ryder Cup and why there's such drama and interest in it is because these guys are selected based off of their whole year. And regardless, like 33% of them are going to come in in really bad form. And that's the interesting part is watching guys play bad golf. Kind of a right. <laughs> never thought of it that way before, but it's very true. Yeah, you don't always get the uh, Rory Patrick Reed, you know, throwing birdies at each other. You sometimes get the, uh, the war of attrition. 
What do you uh did you guys watch any of the career builder Polly? Were you watching Rom? Yeah, definitely, definitely did. I mean Rom just kind of dominated the field. It seems like, you know, looking back, there's obviously a, a close result, but I feel like if he could just put it a little bit better, he easily could have won that tournament by by four or five shots. I mean we kind of saw that on Sunday based upon how he kind of, you know, didn't necessarily capitalize early in his round where he should have. Yeah, he didn't birdie a par five on Sunday. I, I yeah. saw he was like negative almost negative a shot on strokes gained around the green in the final round. So he was putting on a, uh, a chipping expose might should have probably pulled out the Texas wedge <laughs> possibly, but, uh, those, I mean, the drives on 18, he was hitting with the three wood. I mean, they were just lasers. You got trouble left and he just is standing. I mean, just has no fear. And he's one of the best ball strikers in the world. No, and that's one of the things, like, I enjoy watching that tee shot with having the, you know, the tracer on there, so you're actually able to see the ball flight. It makes it makes you able to see how good those tee shots actually are by Rom that he did in the playoff. You know, I saw that uh, CBS is introducing Shot Tracer on all 18 holes this year for their coverage. It's uh, welcome to the 21st century for them. <laughs> Big yeah, step definitely, up. Definitely. Did you guys take away anything else from uh, the Abu Dhabi tournament or the career builder? You know, one thing I noticed in the um, career builder was uh, in the playoff, you could definitely tell who was the more experienced, composed golfer. I felt like, Um, you know, Rom had a chance to win it. Uh, Was it the second playoff hole? I think he had a real good look and uh, just hit the putt through the break where, uh, you could definitely tell when Landry was putting for the win, I think on the third playoff hole, just kind of made it hesitant, waved at the ball, you know, the tendency to get under the gun and leave putts short. And it just, that's what stood out to me was not necessarily golf because they were both hitting pretty good golf shots, but the, uh, just the, the different poise when they were putting, you know, that, that last putt Landry hit was not a good putt either. I mean, he, he knew from like the second that ball hit the club face, it was not going in. Right. He didn't even leave any drama for viewers by like holding his pose and you know, he was walking. <laughs> no, no, that was that was out the whole way. Oot. That's uh that's like when I get one of those like three foot left to right sliders. I, I have a tendency of of just, you know, hitting them starting them right of the hole and it, it just you know, I just start walking immediately. Yeah, right when you get about halfway into your backstroke you're like, Oh god. <laughs> Polly, what about you? Yeah, I think we just one of the things of the career builder is we continue the trend of, of close results. I think this is the, the 16th time in the last 37 years that it went to a playoff, which is kind of an insane stat. Uh, and then you, and you looked at uh, John Rahm was only the second foreign winner in the last 15 years here besides uh, Johnny Vegas back in uh, 2011. How about Rahm getting to world number two at age 23 and doing that without a major championship pretty crazy yeah i mean we've seen a couple guys in the past dude i think i think jordan did it when he originally got on tour and the first year wasn't necessarily to suck in the world but he made a rise from you know way down in the bottom up to maybe in the mid-20s but you know from ron moving from the mid-500s to second is a pretty meteoric rise it's crazy too because a year ago today he still hadn't won yet he was still waiting on his first tour win, and you know he got it this week at Tory. But that's that's crazy. Guy goes from not winning an event to second in the world in a year. Yeah, he just keeps top fiving in all the you know all the events that have high level of 
you know, strength of field in there. And so he's able to build up his world golf rank in that way. I, I've been kind of monitoring the stat as his percentage of top 10 finishes. And I, it was like 45%, I think a week ago. So he's got, to, he's 48%. And that includes when he was an amateur. So like 48% of the time that he plays, he finishes in the top 10, which is just, I mean, it, it's way too early to play something, but like his consistency, like it's gotta be, it, he's the most consistent Tiger player. Ass. Yeah. Is that what you want to say, but not say it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I it, can tell you were hesitant to say it, but it's, I mean, that's about the level of consensus consistency. He's playing it. He's got four wins and 40. He's just under 10% win percentage, which is insane. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Rom now goes into a, title defense week so we'll get to see the first time he defends a title um and that's at tory pines but the big story is the big cat tiger woods making his 2018 uh debut at an event he's won seven times and he's also won a u.s open at tory pines so what are you guys uh expecting out of tiger i uh speaking of those eight uh victories I saw a crazy stat from Justin Ray today. He said, notable players with eight official tour wins in a major, Jeff Ogilvie, Justin Rose, Mike Weir, and Tiger has eight tour wins and a major at Torrey alone. So you, I think you get, you'll get a really good indication of exactly where his game is. Obviously, last year, <clears throat> excuse me, he played well at the Hero, you know, well enough to give people hope and really struggled at Torrey. So I, I'm looking at it as a huge barometer to see how the rest of the year will play out for Tiger. I, I still don't know. I, I hope he wins four times, five times. But, you know, if he can, you know, be in the top 10 to 15, I think that might be him winning again this year starts to become realistic. But, you know, if he MCs again on a course, obviously he plays so well and knows so well, I, uh, I'd be concerned. Yeah, in, t- in terms of Tiger this week, I think he's going to play good tee to green. It's just a matter of how he does around the green because we saw one of the things he struggled with the hero was, you know, chipping around the greens. And w- with the rough up around here at Torrey, he's going to be definitely missing some greens. So it's going to be key to see whether he can actually, you know, scramble and get up and down. Yeah, I almost think that that long grass makes it easier for bad chippers to chip. Or if you're struggling with chipping, I think long grass is easier than short grass. Agree? Disagree? I can I can agree with that a hundred percent from experience. It's it's very easy. You just open the blade and pop it up, whereas you're trying to nip it from a tight lie. It's much more difficult. Yeah, I Jeff Ogilvy told me that he's like the worst thing is the long grass around the greens because it diminishes short game skill, and I think that's it's so true. As I think about it, like if I'm struggling with my chipping, the last thing I want is like short-sided tight lie in the fairway. I'll gladly take juicy rough that I can kind of play like a sand shot. Yeah, it's also ingrained in your head. I feel like when you're, you know, you're short-sided in the rough, you got to play a mega flop in the, you know, your expectations to get up and down are fairly low. But if you, you know, you just have a pitch from the fairway, you know, stop and check it you should be able to get that up and down. So you put a little more pressure on yourself too. So I, I, I agree completely. Long rough is probably easier to play out of than a tight, wet lie. So one thing Tiger did so well at, at Albany um, at the Hero was he drove it really well. 
Um, the fairways there are really wide. Uh, this week, very narrow, and the rough is very, very penal. Pauly, do you do you think he's going to have a good week driving the ball? I mean, is that the really million-dollar question with him? I'm not as much concerned about driving off the tee because he's going to be able to hit it far enough up there to where he's still going to be able to advance it around the, around the green there. And that's where Tiger's kind of played well at Torrey in the past is even if he doesn't hit the fairway, he has enough strength to where he can still hit a pitching wedge or nine iron out of the rough and get it, you know, in the middle of the green. Because the greens at Torrey kind of all camber towards the middle. So he's going to be able to give himself at least makeable birdie putts in that, you know, 20 to 40 foot range. Torrey's the quintessential tiger proofing golf course and it's just you look at the golf courses that tiger won a lot at they're all very long so you got you got tory firestone and bay hill they're long courses with like trouble on either side you got to hit the ball straight off the tee and for some reason people thought tiger proofing would work making courses longer and narrower I mean, and then he just won more and more at those courses. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and going back to kind of Kyle's point earlier with a crazy stat, I got a few other Tiger stats here. So in Tiger's seven wins at Torrey, he's a combined 112 under par, beating the next best player by 23 shots in those events. So that's pretty solid for those seven uh, seven wins. And then the uh, in the last 17 times they had uh, the tournament here. Tiger is the only guy to win by more than four shots, and that happened three times. That's uh, it's dominance. It's I mean, there's a there's Tiger stats for like every day of the week. I feel like you could pick out a new crazy Tiger stat. Um, so what are we setting the you know over under on his finish this week? Like thirty fifth. I'm, I'm thinking he fin- I think he makes the cut, but probably finishes somewhere fortieth to fiftieth. So you're going over thirty five. I, I would go over 35, just barely. What about you, Kyle? Uh, I'll I'll play devil's advocate. I'll take under 35, but just barely. What's crazy is I was looking up the odds for him to win. They're, right now they're 25 to 1 to win, which is crazy low. And uh, he's only 2 to 1 to make the cut. So um, I don't know. I, I think he... Pr- I'm going to say I, I'm going to hope that, you know, without the long uh, Asian trip, he will come in in better form than he did last year. And I'm going to say he makes the cut and finishes 24th. I just don't think he's going to put four good rounds together. He hasn't played a lot of tournament golf in the last two years. And I just think he'll have one round where he'll shoot a 74. Hopefully it's not like one of the first two rounds, but. I think he finishes 50 to 60th, somewhere in there. I, but hopefully just healthy. That's that's what he needs, reps. He needs reps. Yep. So uh, this week, you know, the sponsor's exemptions are actually interesting at Torrey. So you got Sam Burns, who was a... All-American, one of the best players in college golf. You got Cam Davis, who was the Australian kid that just won the Australian Open. He's 23. You got McNeely, again. Uh, that was kind of a disastrous miscut from him last week. What did he shoot, 77 in the third round of miss? Yeah, I think he messed up on the last couple holes coming in. 
I think, yeah, he made a five on, uh, on 17. Uh, so you got Maverick McNeely, former, uh, number one player in, in the world as an amateur. But then you got Norman Jong who won the Western Am last year. Uh, he's a stud. He's a sophomore at Oregon. He, I remember the first time I saw Norman Jong. I was, I went out to the NCAAs last year and I remember like, you know, reading and hearing about this freshman for Oregon. And I like was looking around, I looked at their team and I was looking for like a little kid that was like a, a skinny little freshman. And this guy's like six, three and like has like giant shoulders. I mean, he's a monster mashes the ball. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I think he's going to turn pro after this year, if I had to guess. And then, uh, Will Zalatoris, uh, unbelievable ball striker. You might remember him for having like kind of like a yippy stroke at uh, the USAM at Riviera, but he's a pro now too. He he turned pro after uh, first semester. So interesting uh, sponsors exemptions. They actually use them on young guys, which is rare. Paul, are you going to roster any of these guys? Uh, potentially. Uh, you have guys like Davis and, and McNeely and Zhang who definitely hit the ball far. Who I think could, you know, potentially make it into my lineup on on DraftKings. I've always been always been impressed with how how McNeely hits his, hits the ball. So we'll see. Still have a few days to decide on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, Rom and title defense is he is he your guy you're rolling with with for one and done? No, I, I actually used Rom last week in one and done, so I was very happy with that result. So I will not be able to use him this week. But uh, there, are, there are definitely a couple other options. So, I mean, obviously, if you haven't used Rom, he's a potential option. But you may want to go with guys such as maybe Patrick Cantley or, or Tony Finau or or maybe a, a Xander Shoffley this week. Yeah, I, Cantley, this is a great course for. He, I feel like he's added like 10 yards. I mean, he hasn't played a ton of events, but it seems like he's hitting it really long this year. And Southern California kid, uh, Cantley is a great pick this week. Um, and then, uh, I, I agree with fee now. Uh, what do you think about going, uh, with like Fowler? I'm thinking you may want to use Fowler possibly next week in Phoenix as a choice there or, or potentially one of the, one of the majors. Mm-hmm. Kyle, uh, who, who do you like? You know, everybody you touched on, um, the one guy who I've, I've actually used here a couple times is, uh, Chucky Howell, he's like he's never missed a cut, right? I, I think he's whatever he is, fifteen or twenty, something, something, fifteen out of fifteen or twenty out of twenty, um, and a couple runner-up finishes. I think I like Howell, and uh, you know, keep the big boys for later in the season. Yeah, Howell can definitely. It probably is a very good chance in terms of providing value for a top ten. So the question is, can can Charles Howell actually win the tournament? And that's the only thing that's holding me back from putting him in this week for a one and done purposes what about your boy Snedeker you you two burned from last week no it's it was it wasn't the best result last week but in, in you know in the grand scheme of things I think he missed the missed the cut by two shots but I, I'm just not entirely sold based on what I saw last week I mean one of the things is I was watching him and I think the 17th hole the island green there it's you know most guys are hitting wedge or nine iron he gets a nine iron 30 yards right of the pin, right of the pin in the middle of the lake. So that's a little concerning to see, see shots like that. <laughs> you don't like shanks? No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a sign of poor ball striking, I guess. Um, Definitely. It's uh, maybe a little rust on, on Snedeker, but 
defending champion. I I feel like he could be a good little contrarian play. He always he puts so well on Poe Greens. I still think a lot of people are going to pick him this week just because they're going to look up his record and see that, oh, Brant Snedeker, oh, he's won here before, and just kind of automatically choose him because he has, you know, two wins and two seconds in his last eight appearances here. So I think he's still going to be a popular play for people that don't want to burn a, a ROM or follower this week. You know, looking at, at DraftKings and pricing, it's like, why, why is Phil Mickelson priced at 8900 uh, it's probably because of how, how he's played here in the past. I think he's won here a couple times. So it, based upon that and the fact that they kind of tend to price up some of the more popular players, that's the same reason that you see Tiger Woods this week at 9700 <laughs> as the fifth most expensive player because they realize that they put you know Tiger down at 8500 or Phil down at 8000 you're going to have so many people roster him that it's may, may not be a, a, as much fun that way. That's hilarious. He's the fifth most expensive player. Yes. Which, but his... that goes on, goes in line with the Vegas odds, which had him, you know, 25 right, to 1, to one. which is, I think, the fifth or sixth, uh, you know, favorite there. What uh, what percentage of people will roster him? T- Tiger or Phil? Tiger. Tiger. I, I, in tournaments, I'd probably say 15% still. Jesus. Which, which, is, which is crazy. But if you kind of look at that in that price range, you have Tiger at 97 no one above him until 10-6, and the guys below him are like are, are, Pat, are Brian Harmon and Patrick Cantley. So if somebody's in that range, that's just a, a general golf fan, they're probably going to take Tiger Woods if they're not if they're not following the tour that much, right? Right. So you like for for tournaments, you, you're going to stay away from Tiger this week. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to play Tiger uh, until he shows me that he can you know have the ability to contend. It'd be different if he was like seven thousand, and I thought he was going to be chalky. I might potentially play him, but. At 9,700, I'll just let 15 people, uh, 15% of people take them, and I'll just you know, let them let them go with a 40th place finish. Something I didn't uh, follow up looking into. I I remember seeing Tiger or saying seeing Phil say before last week that he really found feels like he found something with his driver, and I didn't. Do you know if, how he drove the ball? I, I think he drove the ball pretty well last week. I think he just hit his irons kind of bad. That's the way it seemed. He got off to a hot start in the first round. He thought everything else, it feels back to normal, and then he just kind of just tapered off. That's it. It makes me a little bit more bullish on playing Phil this week. If uh, I mean, historically, he's one of the best approach players in of all time in golf. Yeah, the only thing that concerns me is that Phil used to play the courses very well before they got redone, but in his last six attempts here, he's missed the cut four times. So I. Uh, that in combination with a miscut last week, I'm staying off of Phil this week. What, what One you... name we haven't talked about yet is uh, Mark Leishman. He uh, he's got two runner-ups at Tory, and you know, wasn't too long ago we were saying he was going to ta- overtake Jason Day as the best Australian player in the world right now. I think he is. But Leishman here is that if you look at what's actually made up to the courses, you have the Kikuya Fairways and Poe Greens. That's the similar grass that I think he grew up on in Australia. So he's pretty comfortable playing off of those surfaces. So I think that might be why you've seen a lot of Australian guys have good results here. Uh, you've had, you know, Jason Day win here, Leishman finished second twice. You've had, even going back a little further, you've had guys like Michael Sim or Nathan Green even finish runner-up here uh, who are Australians you wouldn't necessarily think would play well. I haven't heard those names in a while. Michael Sim is a blast from the past. Uh, Green- yeah, I think that was 2010 he did that. Uh, 
I, I, I wonder what happened to that guy. Why? He had like one of the greatest web.com seasons of all time. Where are they yeah, now? I think he went back onto the web.com after he had knocked off for the PGA Tour for a year or two, and then I think it just kind of went into the abyss after that. Need Cody to fire back up the Where Are They Now series. That's a great Where Are They Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so getting past the studs, um, DraftKings, you like Rom and, and Fowler? You- I, I actually probably wouldn't roster Rom this week because I think he's going to be very high-owned. I'd probably more likely to go Fowler. When you have a guy win the week before and then go to a course where he won last year, I think you're going to have Rom probably be close to 30% on in tournaments. So I'd rather stay away from that and get Fowler or potentially Matsuyama at a, a third of the ownership. What about Justin Rose? I mean, arguably he's been playing the best golf of anybody in the world, and he's got yeah, good the, form here. Yeah, the, the one thing that concerns me is Rose having a flyback. From, from from Abu Dhabi here, so there is going to be the, the jet lag, so it may take him a day or two to adjust to the time difference coming back. So, and we've seen guys in the past have issues with that, such as I think I think DJ last year yeah. played over there, came back over here, missed the cut. I mean, the, the one thing that's weird at Tory here is that we've seen a lot of the top players miss the cut in the past, so I, that, that might happen again this year. Do you think that's just because the golf course is, is so challenging? If you're a little off, the scores are just going to balloon? Yeah, I think it's because the course is challenging and it's early in the year. To Whereas like last week at the career builder, if you hit shots that were a little bit off, you didn't get penalized. Whereas if you hit a shot out of the fairway here, you're, you're going to be penalized. I mean, if we look at last year, you had Kepka, Chapel, DJ, Day, Fowler, Walker, Berger, Woods, and Shoffley all missed the cut here. That was that was pre Xander uh, being the X Man though he hadn't he didn't have his name yet. True, um, I agree with that. Uh, you can't fake it, Tori. You could, I mean, you could you could fake it and shoot four or five under uh, at La Quinta probably, but I don't think you can fake it and shoot four under at Tori. Yeah, and, and we've seen the same trend going back to 2016 and 15 as well. With you know, you got you got ten guys that are arguably within inside the top 50 in the world at that time you know, missing the cut, which you just normally don't see on a non-major slash, you know, huge field event like this. So getting into these middle tier guys and, uh, I mean, upper middle tier where these guys could be sneaky one and done plays too, right? Yeah. That's kind of getting into the kind of like the Xander Shoffley down to like 8,100, you know, it could be a potentially good one and done play this week because, his strength is hitting a long straight drive, which will put you in very good position at Torrey here on both courses. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Alex Noren? Making why is he playing this week? I, I am not entire, entirely sure why he's playing here. So I, unless he's maybe planning to play in the next couple of weeks, I'm not sure. Maybe he's playing Riviera in a few weeks. I'm not not quite sure why he's playing in the U.S. this week as opposed to over in Dubai. Brandon, Brendan Steele seems to play really well on West Coast. Yeah, well, he's, he's a California guy, so he's very, you know, very comfortable putting on the, on the Poe greens that are on the South course, uh, even though I think the North course is now bent grass greens as they redid it a few years ago. But he, he seems to be very comfortable uh, on this track. So I look for him to finish, you know, you know top 20, top 30 again, because I think he's made his last five cuts here and finished top 50 in all five of those. 
Mm-hmm. How about uh, JJ Spawn? Did he was he in the la- final group last year, or he was in one of the last few groups last year? I think. Yeah, I think he was in one of the, one of the final groups. I know I know he finished ninth last year, so he's he's actually one of the guys I'm looking looking to kind of break out possibly over the next couple events because he, he's going to tracks where he's you know he's played well. Uh, he's played you know ninth here last year. I think he finished fourth at the at Phoenix, which is where they're going next week. So he's a guy that's been trending up, played well in the fall. We'll see if he can kind of carry it over to the beginning of the season. Ali had a good finish here too. I remember he was another rookie that played well here, right? Yeah, I think Ali. I think tied Spawn last year uh, in ninth place as well. So he's another guy that kind of plays well during this you know one month time frame on the West Coast swing, playing well at Torrey playing well in Phoenix, and I think he had a top 10 at uh, Riviera as well last year. I mean, Schneider Jans' game fits really well here. He's so long off the tee that, like you said about Tiger, you know, he gets to a point where he's hitting a shorter club in if he misses the fairway. Exactly, because if he, unless you're amazing with the short game and some of the guys that have won here, such as like Snedeker or even like a Ben Crane, unless you're absolutely getting up and down from everywhere and putting lights out, it's very difficult to contend out here. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, you know, heading down to some of these lower guys, uh, who do you like from the, you know, kind of 7,800s and down? So some of the guys I like down there would be, uh, I think Johnny Vegas, 7,700 is interesting. Uh, He's been on a little bit of a roll the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, And he's also had some pretty good course history here. So I'd probably be rostering him in some of my tournaments. Because uh, I think he's last three times here, he's finished top 30, and then he's finished uh, 11th and 7th in his last two starts this year. So that's a pretty good trend coming together there. Uh, what do you, about, you see anybody down there that you guys like? What about Han? He played so well at, um, where was that? Sony? Yeah, he lost in the, lost in the playoff there yeah. at Sony, I believe. I, I think I'd probably rather play him at somewhere maybe like Riviera or something like that. I, he hasn't finished inside the top 40 in his five starts here, mm-hmm. uh, even though he's made three of the cuts. Uh, so it's probably not the best fit for him. I think he's better fit for somewhere like Riviera, which I think he's, I think he won there, right, in the past? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking is because of the grasses. Um, but uh, Aaron Wise, he, he drives it great. So, and he's really, really long. And he had a good week last week. That, that could be a good pick. Yeah, I think you could have a lot of the younger guys because, you know, they're, Typical prototype for that is hitting the ball long and straight. So I think some of those guys could actually, you know, knock on the door on top 10 finishes this week just because I think the course suits the the younger bomber pretty well. What happened to J.B. Holmes, like, in the last, like, six to eight months? I feel like I he's, like, fallen off the face of the earth. Just yeah, well, I, I know he hasn't played in the last, like, nine weeks, so I'm not entirely sure where he's, uh, you know, where, where he's been during that time frame, but... He definitely didn't have the results that he wanted to last year. I mean, his last event he played was the Shriners, which he missed the cut, and then he played the, the CJ Cup before that and finished almost dead last. So, Last I remember watching him was the final round of the players. Yeah, I mean, the, the last the top last 10 he reported was the, was the Greenbrier during the summer. So That that last round of the players was, was a rough one for JB. He was missing fairways by like 200 yards. Yeah, it's so brutal when, like, especially like on like 16 and 17, when you know there's not a lot of players in the golf course, and they're like, "Here's JB Holmes now, just plus eight on the day." It's like, oh, God, poor guy. 
Well, the poor, the poor guy went from contending to finishing, I think, like 40th. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, another guy in this range is uh, he's got a new swing training aid, Bryson, with his uh, shacket. You know, that, that jacket swinging. Have you seen that? The shirt swinging aid? Shacket. Yeah. I don't know what it's it, called. Yeah, I think he actually should should, uh, should try playing one round with that on. It'd be interesting to see what would happen, so... He's always trying for something. What about uh, what about Bo Hostler? You said you took him at uh, what three hundred to one or something last week. He threw up a little sixty four to start the week for you. Had to be getting a little excited. <laughs> yeah, I was shaking my little space boots for a little bit after the first <laughs> round there. But yeah, I mean, it's another course where I think it suits Hostler well again. I mean, he's a you know California guy, familiar with the grass type out here. Should be able to contend, not necessarily contend, but be able to, you know, make the cut and finish top 20 or top 30, I think. And if he, you know, he's a guy where if he's on his game, he can, you know, he can go low. He's he's not afraid to, you know, contend and win events based upon his amateur record. What about Landry? He's he's a shorter hitter, but he hits it like really straight. Yeah, I'm thinking he may be a little, not to say tired, but. After last week, a little bit of a wet down this week. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a cut this week at Tory. Man, sounds like a, you want to bet there. Yeah, that, that, possibly. <laughs> I kind of, I, I think he's gonna play well. I think uh, he'll have like a. I think he's gonna have a good little run here. He's got a lot of confidence. So, what do you think he's gonna finish this week then? I think he's gonna finish in the top thirty. Oh, I, I definitely go over on that one for sure. Well, I, I said make cut. You know, the, the, <laughs> I'm not going to negotiate yeah. down from made cut. Yeah, now you're negotiating against yourself. <laughs> yeah. It was worth a shot, worth a shot. Yeah. Um, but then down in, uh, we're down in kind of the uh, bargain basement here. Who do you like? Uh, the one that sticks out down there to me is uh, Nick Watney. So Watney showed some life last week. I think he's down at uh, 6,800. Uh, he's played very well at Torrey in the past. Uh, he, he's won here and he's also had, I think five other top tens in his last 12 starts here. So six top, top tens and half his starts here. So, and he, yeah, I think he finished 50th last week, but he started out fairly well. So if he can, you know, find that game, he's another, you know, guy very comfortable in California at 1600. That's pretty good value. Cause you can take some of the studs by putting him in your lineup. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was surprised after the first round to see, you know, Kyle, Kyle was on Nick Watney, and uh, I was on Grayson Murray. Those guys shot the low rounds at the stadium course. <laughs> yeah. And then they woke up. <laughs> um, so then we go down. I mean, K, what about the the ageless KJ Choi? Uh, it's, I mean, Choi's played okay here in the past. It's just a matter of... I just don't know if he's going to be able to compete with the with, with some of the young guns out here, the guys that are just bombing it down there. Because I, I think somebody this week is going to catch fire with the driver and have it 320 on a string. And, you know, KJ will be giving up 45 yards to those guys all day. And that's just not something he can deal with, I think. What about Martin Piller? He, uh, he played really well last week. Yeah, he, he's a potential option here. The question is, is he going to be able to, you know, piggyback upon that you know upon that good week last week coming in here and it's not that easy for some of the guys that he obviously had a ton of success on the web.com but he hasn't had that on the pga side so i mean i'd want to see a little bit more from pillar before i start rostering him 
But I mean, there, there are some other guys down there. I'd, I'd more like probably to roster like a like a Sam Ryder or something like that. A guy who's a, like a premier ball striker. What about Sean O'Hare? Uh, prob- probably not. He's, he's a guy who's usually going to be very up and down. We're probably not going to be able to put four solid rounds together, which which is what you're going to need here at Torrey, and I don't think he has the best short game either. Are we ready yet for our uh, once-a-year Retief Goosen sighting or no? <laughs> Possibly. I, I don't know. Is he even in the field this week or no? Yeah, he's in the field. He's in the field? Okay, yeah. I'm guessing that you're not going to roster him this week. No, I I don't think I'll ever be rostering Retief Houston until he wins about four times in a year, and that would be on a Champions Tour in about eight years. Who who do you think is the worst play on this uh, out of anybody here? Who who would you you know if you had a last pick and it was a you know the whole field? Who who do you think you'd be taking? I think Polly basically just took Retief. <laughs> No, I I'd probably go maybe somebody like a like a Ted Potter or maybe a Derek Fathauer this week. I mean, those are guys that tend to miss a lot of cuts, but I mean, you're not going to be rostering any of those guys anyway. They're going to be a tenth of a percent on DraftKings, so I, I wouldn't, you know, I'd pick any Nor- of those guys anyway. I'd pick Norman Jong this week. He's he won a couple times in the fall, and he had an unbelievable summer. He murders the ball too. I think he's going to play well. Yeah, I think that's a valid option. The one thing I wish DraftKings did is I wish they spread the prices out more so that maybe the guys at the bottom would be 6000 or 5800 so you can pick some of these guys. Whereas, you know, the difference between Zhang or whatever in the whatever, 67, 6800, whatever he is, the difference between him and somebody at 75 price-wise is, is not that much, but ability-wise is, is a lot usually. Mm-hmm. So uh, should we get into some overrated, underrated? Sure. All right. I want to know: Is Tory Pine South overrated or underrated from you guys? I think I I think I said this on the last one, but it's uh, very overrated. I just I don't like what they did with the property. I, you, there's so many courses that are so much worse than Tory Pines that are more enjoyable along the ocean. I just I, it's hard. It's a good test for a PGA Tour event, but if I had my choices of where I wanted to play. Uh, personally, I, it wouldn't be in the top, I don't know, 100, 200. Yeah, I, I would probably go actually a little bit underrated from a PGA Tour aspect, but overrated from like a personal playing aspect. I've played there, didn't necessarily impress me that much, but in terms of being a PGA Tour course, it, it does happen to showcase the players well, where you've had a lot of the top players win there. You haven't had, you know, you've obviously had somebody like Scott Stallings win there, but besides that, you've had a lot of top-tier players with, you know, Rom, Snedeker, Day, Woods, Bubba Watson. You, you haven't had a lot of the no-name players or, or dark horse players win there, and I think that's one of the things of a good course is being able to to show you know that the best players are, are winning there. Yeah, it's just it, like I, I said earlier, it's one of those courses you just cannot fake your fake your you can't fake it out there, especially not for four rounds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, you got to play well the whole round too. As soon as you start to hit bad drives out there, if you're not really long, it's just brutal or um, just shoot 64 on the north course and give yourself some padding yeah um <laughs> all right are sweet potato fries overrated or underrated man that's a tough one i i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna say overrated because i whenever i whenever given that option you know i order my cheeseburger and they said you want fries yes how about sweet potato fries i'm like oh yeah sure love some 
but then they come and I'm just like, ah, why did I do that? I was so excited about it. Now, I'm, now they're just, I wish I ordered regular fries. So I'm going to stay overrated. I would go underrated on sweet potato fries, especially if you sprinkle like a little bit of cinnamon on them. They're probably to die for. Didn't know that about Polly. Loves sweet potato fries and cinnamon. I like I like all three. So, <laughs> what about you? Um, I'm gonna go underrated. I like them. No, actually overrated. They've gotten way too popular lately. <laughs> you know, like everywhere has sweet potato fries now. I liked it when like occasionally they'd be like hey do you want sweet potato fries why yes certainly but now <laughs> absolutely here comes, contrarian, here comes contrarian andy right now <laughs> too popular yeah so um here's a player overrated underrated shane lowry that's a good one i uh <clears throat> i'm gonna say underrated because yeah i think he has the ability to win a major i you know, obviously, we've seen him in contention before Oakmont. Um, I just, I feel like he's a guy that's going to kind of pop up one day, and he's going to be standing there on Sunday of a U.S. Open or uh, PJ Championship, British Open, and have the trophy. I really, I really think he definitely has that potential, but he might not win three more events in his career. So, I, it's, it's hard to say, but I'm going to say a little underrated because he's got what it takes to win a major. I, I would go on the opposite of Kyle. I would go overrated on Lowry here. I think he plays good, you know, in bunches. He'll play good for a two or three week stretch, and then seem like he just plays the rest of the year and just never never records a top ten. And so for that respect, I don't view him in the same respect as a lot of the guys that are you know similar ranked. I think I would go underrated with Lowry because of what Kyle said. I mean, the guy like just will win big events. And granted, he, he only has three wins in his career. And he did win as an amateur, which is badass, you know? Yep. I, he does have a lot of seconds, too. I, he's a puzzling guy. I've never been able to get a read on him. And whenever I pick him in, like, a DraftKings or a, a pool, he always lets me down. Like, because he'll shoot, like, one horrible round. Yep, like a 77. All right, who are you guys picking this week? Yeah, I think this week, I'm not entirely sure yet, but I'm, I'm probably in between taking either Xander Shoffley or Mark Leishman, probably. I'm probably going to want to save Cantley or Finau for some other events on the line. I think I'm going to go Charles Howell. You know, I think I might take Jason Day just because I, I, I always like forget to use him in one-and-done leagues. And I'll take him. I don't ever like picking him because he's rather unreliable as of late. And I think he high can... withdrawal percentage. Yeah. Aren't you a bit worried that he has a new caddy in the bag this week? No, he's it's his like buddy, right? Well, it's well, the his his buddy from Australia can't make it here for visa issues, so he has another friend I think from Ohio on his bag this week for the first time. So that's a little bit of cause of concern there. Eh, I'm not worried. Caddies. Are, are caddies overrated or underrated? <laughs> I think underrated, actually. A good caddy can be, oh, I, you know, the, a good caddy can be the difference between 10th and winning. I, you know, if you don't have the game, obviously it's not going to matter if you had, you know, the best caddy in the world. But I'm still going underrated. Yeah, I'm going underrated on caddies as well. They're the ones able to keep your composure and make you 
have the correct thought process going through the round, especially uh, if you're in contention. Yeah, well, one over. How about overrated, underrated uh, beef Johnston? I saw an article today that uh, he gave an interview and he believed that his social habits poorly affected his golf game last season. Which uh, you know, if you saw a lot of the coverage, you know, he was doing interviews in pubs and this and that. So that's not too shocking. But uh, I hope he gets it back together. Overrated. So I think Beef Johnson is a victim of golf media and its awfulness and. You know, like anything that is remotely what they think trendy or cool or look at this, this is this guy is so neat, they're gonna just blow him up and ruin it. Right. Yeah, I mean yeah. they kinda of almost treated him kinda of like almost like a John Daly figure for the year that he came over here to America. He was kind of almost like a semi cult figure because he was always featured, even though, you know, he wasn't playing that well. He only played good in Europe for one year. He obviously played good in a major over here, but you know, for a guy that wasn't that high of a caliber of player, it was kind of surprising. Yeah, I thought they did him wrong. They treated him like a circus freak or something. It was yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, all right, we'll see what uh, what happens. I'm I'm guessing that you know Landry's going to make the cut. So that's what I'm watching this weekend. Well, you you won't be watching on the weekend. You'll be watching that Friday afternoon only. So. <laughs> I want to see Tiger in contention. One of these weeks, it's going to happen. I think uh, Riviera, is, he's going to make the return. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to be. I'm going to be at Riv. Solid final group, final round. Yeah. All right. Talk to you guys next week. All right. See you guys. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.